And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. This episode of Radio Free Asgard is dedicated to the memory of Peter Van Denning. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 339. We're coming at you as always from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. Hope everybody is having a a great, uh, I guess, Valentine's Day about the time uh, I'm going to be publishing this show. Well, just past uh, Valentine's Day. Hope everybody has had a a very good Valentine's Day. I mean, just it seems like just yesterday we were doing New Year's, I and mean, it's, it's it's crazy how fast time goes as you get older. But anyway, and especially when you're doing a show every two weeks, it's uh, crazy. Lots going on in my life right now, more than I really have time to talk about. But uh, you know, hey, that's just the way life is sometimes, and you just gotta take it one step at a time, one show at a time, one week at a time, as the case may be. And um, yeah, so uh, not a whole lot to talk about here at the top of the show. Super Bowl Sunday just passed. And as I speak, we're now getting geared up for Valentine's Day. So I hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day. Um, don't have anything planned for the, for Valentine's Day myself. Um, anybody have thoughts about the trailers uh, from the Super Bowl? Yeah, that we had a new Captain Marvel trailer and we also had the first uh, Avengers Endgame teaser trailer come out this week. And I will tell you, of those movies that we've had these teasers for, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Avengers above anything else. Um, I, I hate to say it, but Captain Marvel doesn't look like it's going to be that exciting. Though, you never know. I mean, it might be a great movie. I, I hope it is. I mean, because I, I think we need, certainly Marvel needs... Uh, some tentpole properties other than Black Panther to hold up the cinematic universe after this round of of retirements from from the MCU as people's contracts are are up and we're not going to have Cap and we're not going to have Thor and we're not going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if Marvel can maintain that momentum. And I'm, I'm hoping they can, but you know, Hey, I'm not taking any bets on it. I'll be quite honest with you. (laughs) Anyhow, we do have an issue of Thor to cover. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. And this week we are taking taking kind of a, a two steps back approach. So, you know how it is sometimes. And we had this problem when we covered the 2000 Thor annual, uh, where you have a story that falls into your continuity in kind of an awkward way. You're not really sure where to slot it in. The paradigm doesn't quite work, no matter which issue you try to to slide it in between. And the best I can figure is that this came about two or three months ago in the Thor Volume 2 continuity, 
um, and probably you know just right at the beginning of the destroyer storyline, maybe between pages and one of, of these other issues. So it's one of those stories that's kind of hard to slot in continuity wise. So uh, here we are covering the Thor Annual for 2001. So let's just get on with it. It has a uh, cover price of 350 US, 525 Canada. Um, doesn't say what the publication date is. Uh, cover art is by Steve Lytle, and it's a very extreme 90s sort of uh, picture of Thor looking very glum. Um, and he's got his, like, his face in heavy shadow, and Thor is holding um, Mjolnir in his right hand, and, and there's some Kirby crackle going on and lightning cascading off of Mjolnir. Um, you yeah, don't want to be on the, the bad side of Thor. Mjolnir's handle looking unusually long uh, and, and sledgehammery here. Uh, you know, the idea of Mjolnir's got his short handle, of course. And we've just got these weirdest proportions in the world on Thor. Now, Steve Lytle is not known as, as an artist who does that. You know, he was a um, you know, pretty much a DC guy as far as the, the different series that he was drawing. He did a lot of Legion of Superheroes. He did a lot of covers for, for DC. Uh, did some Batman and the Outsiders. Did the Doom Patrol for a while. You know, he's a great artist and a Facebook friend and you know, somebody whose work I greatly respect. This is not one of his stronger efforts. So we have Thor here and his proportions are very way off. Um, he's got a waist that is actually literally thinner than his biceps. So yeah, very, I don't know, I wouldn't even say Rob Liefeld. I would just say just, just 90s-ish uh, proportions and, and leave it that. Other than that, I mean, it's a dynamic cover. Thor kind of scowling and he's got this Kirby Crackle thing going on on his hammer and lightning cascading off of it. And and generally speaking, it's a, um, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a very serviceable cover. We open up to the story and we have a scene going on in a planet. We have a huge crowd of people and they're like in this valley, mountain valley, and there is a, a floating city in the sky sort of thing, much like Asgard, except this seems to be exploding. <laughs> and uh, we have a caption here that says, nothing lasts forever, or so it is said, except the gods. They are believed to be immortal, beings who have always been and always shall be until now. And we see this uh, sky city uh, blowing up and people down in the valley looking very alarmed. And we have an armored leg showing up and is, uh, somebody's yelling out at people, at last you are free. From this day forward, your destiny is your own to fashion. And somebody in the crowd is going, this is disastrous. You've taken our caretakers away. You are not pets. You are men. Live as free men do. But every cycle we sacrifice an innocent to the gods, says this woman with a uh, very strange looking baby. In return, we received rain and sun. Our animals multiplied. And at that point, the uh, the city of the gods seems to be kind of falling out of the sky in flames. And everyone's going, no, no, this cannot be. The gods are dead. We're lost. And we get a silhouette of the uh, a person who I guess is responsible for this. And he's kind of floating above this group of people. And he says, on the contrary, consider yourself 
found. And then we shift back to Earth, and well, not back to Earth, because we were seeing Earth for the first time on this page. Um, we are on Earth, and we see Jake and Christine, and they're in a crowd of uh, police, and there's a firefight going on. We see a card's tipped up on its side, and it's full of bullet holes, and a newspaper machine that's been knocked over, and yeah, um, sort of... Um, emergency situation here and jake is kind of charging in with his uh doctor bag in one hand and he's like move it christine every second counts what gives jake this place is a war zone she says and the cops are um yelling at them as they're running into the uh, scene we see a guy pinned under the car here another person who looks like he uh has probably been shot and the cops are like are you too crazy get down there's a sniper around here trying to finish the job we can't let those people bleed to death, officer. Cover us. And um, Christine is um, saying to uh, Jake, I think we're too late for this one, Jake. Not if I have anything to say about it. I can pull him through. I'm sure of it. You move on. And it's like, you're the boss. And she goes to uh, treat this guy who's pinned underneath the car. Uh, and it looks like he's trying to struggle to get away. But um, yeah, you can't really get loose. And Christine is like, this one's alive, but barely. If we don't get this car off him soon, he won't have a chance. Jake is thinking to himself, Verily, if I shed this mortal guise and become Thor, I could lift the car off that poor mortal. If necessary, so shall it be. For now, tis the medical skills of Jake Olsen that are needed most. Do what you can, Christine, says Jake. I'll help as soon as this man is stabilized. And um, the people are still shooting, and uh, the cop is saying to Jake, Man don't deserve to live, you know. Busted a cap in my brother two months ago. Killed him. I save him as I find him. It's the court's job to decide his fate. And the cops are uh, warning him to leave. He says, you people have got to leave. It's too dangerous. And you know, the, the sniper shooting at uh, everybody here. And um, got, Christine's like, Jake? And Jake is still trying to save the guy. And he's like, go ahead and go. Another minute and I'll have this man ready for transport. You had to go and make me do this, says this guy. You ain't smart enough to scare, so I'm have to do you to get him. And so this guy pulls a gun on him, and turns out he's not a cop. He's just one of the other one of these thugs. And all of a sudden, the hammer comes uh, chacting out from left panel, from stage right. And uh, it looks very familiar. It looks like Beta Ray Bill's hammer, almost. And that uh, smashes the gun out of this guy's hand. And we hear a voice, you'll do nothing of the kind. And Jake is like, what? And we get a double page spread here of Beta Ray Bill. Though that would explain why we saw his hammer there. And none other than Hercules. And the Beta Ray Bill says, uh, I've taken my turn, Hercules. Have you anything to add? Aye, Beta Ray Bill, this and uh, Hercules jumps down with a thum, does this sort of uh, Hulk thing, and creates a shockwave with his feet as he jumps down. Those who threaten an unarmed healer court the wrath of the Lion of Olympus. And we uh, see uh, the, you know, the people shooting out the window at, at Beta Ray Bill and Hercules, and uh, apparently not very good shots. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, we get the credits here. Dan Jurgens was the writer. Tom Grummet is the penciler. Alve, Carl Kiesel, and Scott Hanna did the inks. 
Joe Rosas did the colors. RS Comicraft did the letters. Mark Sumarak is the assistant editor. Tom Brevort is the editor. Joe Casada is the editor-in-chief. The name of the story, When Fall the Gods. So Hercules has grabbed this uh, gangbanger who tried to shoot uh, Jake just now. And Hercules is saying, Craven murderer, thou art a scourge upon this mortal plane. As are his depraved friends, says Beta Ray Bill. Work without fear, noble one. These bullets shall harm no others. Not so long ago, my Thor-spawned powers were stripped from me. Thankfully, when life and balance were restored to Asgard, so too were my powers to me. Now let this heinous act come to an end. So I guess that explains uh, the continuity problem that we had with Beta Ray Bill earlier. Um, and he whips his hammer with a chaka coom uh, through the window of this building. Is knocking down the ceiling, I guess, on these guys who are, are shooting out the window. And the guys are like, yow. And uh, Jake uh, yells over to Hercules, any chance you can help us out with that car, Herc? Though I have been stripped of my immortality, my strength is as great as ever. It would be as easy as lifting a baby's rattle. And uh, Hercules goes over, and, and Christine is there, and she says, you, You're strong enough to lift a whole car? Many are the talents of the son of Zeus. And he goes, Runk! And he lifts the car just right up and, and off the, uh, the guy laying there. Some of which I would love to show thee on a warm summer's eve, my lady. And <laughs> Christine is like, Wow! <laughs> Christine is examining... Um, the guy in Hercules is like, die patient. Should be fine now, says Christine. Let's transport these people for immediate care, says Jake. And uh, we have a, a minute or two passes, and it looks like they got everybody in the ambulance. And uh, Christine is like, ready to roll, Jake? Not yet. I'll stay to make sure the rest of these civilians are okay. Your responsibilities, of course. Take care, big boy. And Christine takes the uh, ambulance and goes driving off. And, um, yeah, Hercules and Jake and, and Beta Ray Bill are all kind of standing here together. Zounds! No wonder thou hast chosen a mortal life with so fetching a lass at thy side. But she's not. We're not. Oh, forget it. Why are you here? Hercules came searching for Thor, says Beta Ray Bill. It seems matters on Mount Olympus require the god of thunder's presence. If it's stored they want, it's stored they'll get, says Jake, and he goes running off into a nearby alleyway. There's always a convenient alleyway here in New York City, as the case may be. And they, the three of them go rushing into the alley. Though the eyes of Hercules have witnessed it before, still does thy transformation ever amaze me. All I need to do is slam my fist on the ground. And he does, and there's a big glow and a big facash, and it triggers the conversion from mortal to God. And uh, he changes into Thor, and he says, Let those who forever follow the light of justice and the exalted song of freedom know that Thor, God of Thunder, shall forever and always be at their beck and call. And we had a full page, basically, here of Thor being looking very heroic. And without any further ado, he starts whipping his hammer around, doing the Ajax white tornado kind of thing. And he says, Now by the power of mine Uru Mallet Mjolnir, I shall open wide a channel coursing space and dimension to carry us far beyond the confines of Midgard. Yeah, and you see a full page here of, of Olympus, presumably, to a place with beauty so majestic it near rivals that of golden Asgard itself. And uh, yeah, we see they, they arrive in Olympus and there's lots of buildings looking very 
Greco-Roman sort of pillars everywhere. And yeah, anyway. Thus do we instantly find ourselves within the realm of Mount Olympus, domain of Zeus and the Olympians. And Beta Ray Bill, I think this is the first time here. He says, uh, truly it is impressive. Indeed, Bill, says Thor. Ne'er hath it looked more inviting. Tis good to see the risen from the dark gods attack. And this is uh, going way back to the beginning of Thor volume two. I think it was uh, issue uh, six and seven. Hercules is saying, thanks to the assistance of Odin, t'was easy to rebuild. Care to tell us why we're here, Hercules, says Bill. Indeed, the time of explanation hath dawned. Even as we approach, a most disturbing visitor waits for us. One whose cold presence doth send a shiver down the spine of Hercules. And they arrive at uh, Zeus's palace, and we have Zeus here, and he's sitting in a big throne at the top of a staircase, and um, Zeus says, Well stated, my son, for even the eyes of Zeus, which hath beheld many a wonder, art troubled now. Only such danger as this could compel me to allow thee to return to Olympus. Thine allies are here, my father. Aye, to serve as needed, says Thor, but what danger looms? If the coming threat doth trouble one so mighty as Zeus, tis surely formidable indeed. I, Avenger, says Hercules, and closer than thou thinkest. Look thee hence, Odin's son, says Zeus, and he who doth signal not but the worst. Look ye all, for there doth he stand, and we see none other than the Silent One. You remember the Silent One? We actually covered the issue in which he previously appeared. It was back in the, uh, was it uh, right after Lee and Kirby left? Right around that time. I think I want to say that it was in the, uh, the generally the 160s. It might have been around there. I don't remember. He's got this sort of metal skull cap uh, thing it looks like a little bit like you took judge dread's helmet and cut the top off it and then just kind of laid it on top of the guy's head <laughs> anyway so uh, he's just kind of standing there silently and uh, uh eternity that was his name remember the yeah that was a long time ago anyway uh so um hercules is saying uh look ye all for there doth he stand the silent one says thor he who once visited asgard to warn of the appending catastrophe known as infinity uh, and we actually do get a reference here, Thor, volume one, number 184. I swear, if he dares endanger Olympus, he'll suffer dearly beneath the battering fists of Hercules. Hold, Hercules, says Thor. If the Silent One hath come, tis to warn us of danger, not of his making. The uh, Silent One kind of defends himself against Hercules encroaching on him, and he deflects him with a scoom. Big uh, magenta explosion pushing Hercules back. Bill says, not a very friendly sort. Thus did I summon Thor, says Zeus, for he hath encountered yon harbinger of doom before. A wise choice, says Thor, for there can be no more ominous sign of dire things to come than the silent one. His presence must be regarded with urgency beyond measure. Though the way of words be not thine, stranger, I beg thee reveal thy reasons for being here that we might prepare ourselves. And the, uh, the silent one kind of waves his hand, and there's a, a portal opening, um, and they're kind of like uh, trying to drag them off into Kirby's space. And um, Thor says, By the eyes of Heimdall, he hath opened a portal to carry us elsewhere. Is this what thou desirest, a silent one, to fight a battle eons away? Tis madness, says Hercules. I say thee nay, Hercules, for the stranger nods in agreement. And they, um, yeah, looks like they're going to go through. 
Thou wouldst blindly follow this man without knowing more, says Hercules. That I would, son of Zeus, for if the hazard is powerful enough to trouble the silent one, then tis upon us to raise arm and sword to meet the challenge. And we must hurry, says Bill, to engage the enemy. And they go jumping through the portal out of Olympus and into Kirby space, and Thor shouting, Into the breach, my comrades! Whatever awaits, let us meet it with winds of justice and honor at our backs. And uh, we cut back to uh, Zeus, who says, I wish thee well, my emissaries, though I know not how. Tis clear the fate of Olympus and more doth rest upon thy shoulders. And they um, go through the portal, and they're in a sort of an asteroid field sort of thing, and there's asteroids and, and clouds, interestingly enough. Um, very kind of weird kind of space that they find themselves in here. And Bill says, I am uneasy with this, Thor. Were it not for my total faith in your judgment, I would never trust this silent one. Understandable, my friend, says Thor. But is our sense of justice to be limited to worlds which we know? Does true integrity not demand we carry the fight to all who need deliverance? By the wrath of Pluto, says Hercules. Tis not elsewhere we've journeyed, but else when? Hercules is looking out on the uh, kind of this... Uh, Scape here, landscape, and it looks like Olympus, except destroyed. Battery Bill saying, Hercules is right. We've come full circle. The devastation that lies before us is none other than Olympus. Thus is the presence of the silent one explained, says Thor. The task laid before us is to prevent this from coming to pass. What power? What indescribable evil? What manner of being could lay waste to an entire race of gods? Whoever they be, by the staff of Zeus, I pledge there will not live to see the morrow. The power of one capable of this might rabble that of Galactus himself, says Beta Ray Bill. Stand fast, fellow warriors. Again we are joined by the silent one. I, over the body of my father. And we see the silent one, and Zeus is laying there, and Zeus looks like he has a big old spear sticking out of his chest. Thor says, if only he would speak, then might this catastrophe be explained. Hold. Again, he doth conjure a vision. And the, uh, yeah, he's got his hand up, and there's a cloud forming, and uh, we see through his uh, cosmic voyeuroscope or whatever it is, and uh, somebody says, "'Tis another world, a leader, or holy man, doth seem to hold sway over a number of followers.'" And so it's a kind of alien city, and there's this guy in a mask, and he's got these blades in both of his hands, and he's holding them up. And it's like it's like a like a little village on the end of a volcano with these sort of weird mushroom penis house things. The uh, guy on the edge of the volcano is saying, "Tonight we stand on the cusp of Ceres, holiest of all days. Here, amid our arid lands, must the great Cronit and the rest of the gods be sated." And it turns out to be the people that we saw at the beginning of this issue. Uh, they're, they're kind of humanoid, and they've got these kind of heavy, heavy brow ridges. And basically, they kind of look like the Martian Manhunter, except they've tried to differentiate them from that kind of look by giving them hair, you know, which is something the Martian Manhunter never had. And the uh, shaman uh, sort of person says, Tisak and Almanasterixian. Your doctor, Lausia, has been silenced for this most cherished of honors. And the group of uh, peoples, uh, like a chorus, saying, For the gods are benevolent. They favor us with fertile crops and many descendants in exchange for our devotion. Come, Lausia. Devotion to Cronit must be complete. 
unwavering, unyielding, and without compromise. Are you ready for the giving, Laosha? Father, I, I'm afraid. And then Laosha's this uh, young woman with a ponytail coming out of both sides of her head, but she's bald on top. The father's like, please, be strong. To be chosen is an honor. And this, uh, all of a sudden, this uh, voice comes from beyond. Uh, Fools, you know not what you do. And looks up, and he's like, who? And uh, it's this, this glowing blue woman, and uh, she's kind of floating in the air, and she's got this green glow blowing off her. And uh, Desak is looking up at her, and he's, and, uh, he's like, oh, Desak, your gods are petty and evil gods. You mustn't give your daughter to them. But I have no choice. And uh, Lausha is like, Father, who are you talking to? The giving, an act of sacrifice, is necessary for us to live with the favor of the gods. And the glowing uh, blue woman says, I give you this jewel to save your daughter. It will protect you from their fury. And uh, Desak is kind of down on the ground, and he's resisting, and he says, no, you are evil to tempt me so. And the shaman is like, Though Dishak is among the most pious of men, madness seizes him now. Fulfill your destiny, my child. Leap forward. Let the eternal embrace of Kronit be yours. And the shaman is kind of behind uh, uh, Lausha. And um, yeah, basically she goes jumping off into the volcanic crater. And it's like, ah! And uh, the priest is like, uh, Once more, for another cycle, we pray the gods are appeased. For the gods are benevolent. The uh, shamans say together, For the gods are benevolent. They favor us with fertile crops and many descendants in exchange for our devotion. And Asaka is kind of staring down in the, uh, the pit after his daughter and the blue woman behind him saying, Well, you, Desak, have erred in the most grievous of ways. And uh, the, the scene fades, and Hercules is like, Tragic, but what has this to do with Olympus? Patience, Hercules, says Bill. Aye, the grim countenance of the silent one suggests that we are to see more. And uh, more of the story continues on, and it's uh, Desac and his wife, and they're, they're at home, and um, she says, Desac, so many other fathers refused to give up their daughters. Why were you so weak as to relent? Weak? Ominous. It took every bit of strength I had to do so for the common good. It's written that rain should come following the ceremony, but it didn't. What What if the gods still aren't satisfied? Pray, wife, that you did not insult them. No, I'll never pray again. Never. But Laosha's at Kronit's side. We are honored. And there's a big explosion, a big old thoom, and the wife is like, Desak? What in the name of? And uh, there's a bunch of uh, rocks and stuff raining down onto the village. Uh, you know, fiery boulders. Like it's like the volcano erupted or something, and everyone's like, "Run, end of the world!" Run. And the sack is like, uh, "How? How can this be?" And there's this sort of uh, creature emerging from the fire and lava and all this, and the uh, creature is saying, "Displeased!" And the uh, sack is like. Granite, non-believers, blasphemers, sinners, defilers, 
And this big um, armored characters come strolling out. It's got very Kirby-ish armor. Uh, it looks like sort of the Titanium Man kind of. And he's got this purple big iron giant sort of thing kind of striding out of the fire. Desak is talking to his wife, get back. And there's a big choom and his house is destroyed. And uh, I guess his wife is destroyed too. And Desak is uh, shouting at this uh, armored guy. He's like, why? Why do this when we have served you so well? And the uh, blue woman appears again. Now do you comprehend? Now do you see what you've given up? You, if only I'd listen. Atone for your mistake. Take this. And she offers him this medallion thing again. And a lot of medallions kind of floating around in the Thor book or at this point, isn't there? Anyway, uh, it says... Uh, it will shape you into a being equal of the gods themselves. Defeat them, Desak. Imprison their black souls within this gem and make their power your own. It would be just for gods to rule over mortals in this way is wrong. Give me the power, O oh spirit. And he takes the uh, medallion and he starts to glow. And there's a lot of changing and a metamorphosis. It looks like he's turning into rock or something. Uh, almost looks like he's turning into Darkseid from uh, DC. But anyway, um, he's like, Change me that I might no longer be the one who suffers, an insignificant victim of their wrath. Change me that I might become Desak, destroyer of gods. And we get a full page here, and uh, Desak is standing, and uh, he's, he's now got his sort of armor of his own, and he's got a big axe in one hand and a shield in the other. The belt and his shield are patterned after the medallion that's around his neck and he's sort of like he looks he reminds me a whole lot of terax the tamer he was one of the heralds of, of galactus that was back from the very late 70s um it's right at earth earth-based powers he looks a lot like terax kind of a cross between terax and dark side he's got that same kind of dark craggy skin that the dark side would have anyway um because let those who dare control the fates of men, those who deign to lord over those less powerful, beware, for vengeance looms. And uh, we cut back to um, Hercules and Thor, and Hercules saying, Surely no single being such as he could lay waste to all Olympus. I beg thee, trust the evidence the silent one shows us, Hercules. If he claimeth the sack as a threat, so be it. Watch, for even now he shows numerous images wherein Desak destroys those who appear more powerful than he. Mayhap even those like unto gods. And yeah, we see a good old image here of Desak fighting with this big blue guy and, you know, flaming city and all that. And then the, uh, the cosmic voyeur scope thing fades, and Hercules says, By the hounds of Hades, such evil must be stopped. To interfere, the misguided fool doth seek to fell every being who wears the mantle of God, benevolent or otherwise. Alas, the duty falls upon us to curb his errant ways, says Hercules. Stand thee fast, warriors, says Thor. Thy magnificent Mjolnir carry us to his location, that this travesty might be ended. And he whips Mjolnir round his head in his Ajax white tornado away. And we shift scenes. 
And we find ourselves, according to the caption, hundreds of galaxies away, almost beyond the very notion of existence. Yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, we have this group of uh, alien people, and they're blue, and they have this guy who's talking to them. He looks like a blue dude. He's saying, uh, Midday has come, that work commence and all other endeavors cease. Let us bow our heads as one to thank the powers. We suffer for relentless dryness still envelops the land. We must show the powers we truly worship them, for only then will they loosen the cleansing reins. And a voice comes from above this uh, priesty blue guy. Pets, you crawl and humble yourselves as though you are little more than pets. You must be freed of this overwhelming prison of thought that confines you. Your jailers must be removed. And we see uh, Desac, and he's uh, kind of floating over where the uh, priest guy is standing, and he's all glowing yellow and, and energy-y. And the um, uh, priest guy is saying, Sacred winds, only, only the devil would speak so. And Desac is there, and he goes uh, flying, flying off, basically, and he says, The devil? To you, no. To those who could treat you with contempt, Yes, and he goes flying off with his axe and his uh, shield, and the blue people below are saying, No, you mustn't. We cannot survive without their charity. And the sack says, Are you mad? I offer you freedom, yet you seek to destroy me? The negative effects of blind servitude could not manifest themselves more clearly. We uh, shift to, um, looks like a, I don't know, a moon or something high above. It's uh, obviously another uh, god realm, so they're kind of voyeuroscoping down in the city and seeing what's going on. And the gods are uh, saying, Ha! Again they beg us for rain, Pensu. Pathetic little creatures, Tay. How can they believe we would respond when their respect is so inadequate? Indeed. Only two hours of prayer a day shows insufficient piety. Perhaps we should give them what they want, a terrible flood to sweep them away. And a voice comes from behind them, cruel jokers. And the, uh, the gods turn around like, who? I travel from world to world, dimension to dimension, dealing death to you and your kind. A pity you have no one to pray to. Your reign of terror ends now. And the blue gods are like, uh, hollow words, crazed one. Do you have no appreciation for what you face? And shoots out a, a magenta or a magenta sort of energy blast thing with a chaz and tries to roast him. But it doesn't really do much good. The magenta energy is cascading off of uh, Desac's shield and uh, Desac's like, an ineffective attempt. Thanks to the enchantment of this pendant, any power you hurl at me is easily absorbed and cast back in your face. And he uh, responds with an energy blast of his own out of his sword, or out of his axe, I guess, with a scoom, big blue explosion. Big explosion knocks the two uh, gods aside, and uh, Desac kind of hurls down, and he grabs the uh, the female, the, the goddess, I guess it's... it's uh, Tay or whatever, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, he's like, How many years have you squeezed those poor, tortured souls below for every drop of hope they might summon? How many lives have you condemned by ignoring their pleadings? More than you could name, I'm sure, for they were beneath your notice, 
and for that you must die. And um, all of a sudden a hammer comes uh, flying out from stage right. And of course Mjolnir knocks Desac back. Um, and uh, Thor's voice comes out, Brazen murderer, what thy mad path of destruction in here? And we have the three um, Hercules and Thor and Beta Ray Bill come flying down. Tis Desac, all right. The core who would one day savage Olympus, says Hercules. Thine obsession is devoid of reasoning, Desac. In the name of Olympus and Asgard Eternal, the god of thunder doth command thee to yield. Be on guard, warriors, says Beta Ray Bill. We know not the full extent of his might. And they come flying down. Your superior attitude and presence in defense of these reprehensible creatures tells me all that I need to know. My sword will taste the blood of three more would-be deities this fine day. And he uses his sword to blast Hercules, and Hercules is like, Arg! And <laughs> Thor's like, Hercules, by my troth, I thought such a thing impossible. Coward! Beta Ray Bill will make you pay for such impudence. And he goes rushing forward, and Desac knocks him back with his axe. Uh, and says, no, you won't! Desac, I beseech thee, halt! A madness consumes thee. And Thor comes up and uh, starts hitting on him, too. No, not when the power is mine. The power to defeat any and all who call themselves gods. And uh, Thor punches him across the face, uh, but it has no effect. Uh, Ulex stench, says Thor. Even my mightiest blow did not move thee. Tay, the uh, the male blue god, is... uh, Pen, sir, I have had enough of this would-be assassin and the petty mortals who defy us. If it's death they want, so be it. And they clasp hands and a bunch of uh, energy comes cascading out and kind of ray crashing down to the city below and um, says, Let their souls be damned for eternity. Oppose us and the price can be no less, says Pensu. And there's a scracka attack attacked as a energy beam goes down the city and uh, starts destroying everything. And the, the uh, somebody's down at the um, ground is saying, Pensu and Tay, they are displeased. And Desac is uh, still fighting Thor and he points out what's going on. And he says, see what your kind does when indulging a whim? This is why all of you must die. And Thor says, tis unthinkable. An act unworthy of one who is a god, for it is compassion, not power, that is the full measure of godhood. Hercules, Bill, I leave it to thee to stop Pensu and Tay, while the god of thunder doth rescue the innocents below. And he takes off towards the uh, the planet, and uh, he sees this giant magenta and orange and yellow beam kind of shooting down and smashing into the planet. And he says, by the bristling beard of Odin, Yon beam of destruction might decimate the entire planet if allowed to continue unabated. And Hercules and Beta Ray Bill are attacking the uh, the blue gods, and uh, T- Pensu is saying, uh, You're too late, mortals. Nothing can save them now. And there's a Chetak tact, and it looks like the entire planet is being destroyed by this uh, beam. Uh, looks like uh, like cracks appearing in the ground and all, all that. Tay says, uh, We'll cultivate a new world, a new group of followers. And Thor is doing what he can to stop it, which is not much uh, from from what I can see. But he's uh, standing on top of a building watching this beam kind of destroying everything. What must be done must be done swiftly. For good reason is Thor called the Lord of the Lightning. 
Not for naught is Thor the god of thunder. What the heavens grow dark, what the storm clouds gather. Winds converge, lightning strike, thy master commands thee. And the lightning is shooting out, and you know it looks like clouds appearing, and a big storm forming, big lightning storm. Let the full fury of the storm be loosed against yon beam of destruction, until it is swept away forevermore. So commands the god of thunder. And you get a full page here, basically, of Thor summoning a storm, and it's raining, and the people below are like, At last it rains! A new god comes to our rescue! Let him be forever remembered and praised. <laughs> and, uh, the meanwhile, um, Beta Ray and, and Hercules are still fighting the, uh, the blue gods. And uh, Tay is saying, uh, You dare interfere with us, demigod. Should your deaths be the most painful ever suffered, still would it not be enough for your transgressions, says Pensu. And she, she's got a wailing on Beta Ray Bill. And uh, so, suddenly behind uh, Tay, the uh, sack appears... And Taya's saying, uh, now comes the end. And uh, Desak says, indeed. We see Thor, and uh, Thor's uh, kind of going again, shooting skyward, having created this rainstorm. Uh, he uh, stops the beam or whatever. And I, I, how a rainstorm is going to stop the energy beam, I don't know. I, I don't even ha- I don't even want to hazard a guess. Anyway, uh, he takes off, and um, he's like, no, Mjolnir, carry me quickly back to the battlefield. Air Bill and Hercules are overwhelmed. And he's flying up towards this uh, battlefield, whatever, and he says, Alas, the signs of destruction are evident. It is clear the battle was momentous. And everything looks all ruined, and there's kind of smoke coming up out of a pit. Bill, Hercules, where art thou? Verily, a most troubling thought doth cloud Thor's mind. And he comes across the bodies of the two uh, blue gods, and he says, Pensu and Tay. Dead. De sack, let the cosmos itself bear witness. If thou hast harmed my loyal comrades, the wrath of Thor shall know no bounds. You used your might to save the mortals below. Now they revere you. They have replaced one idol with another. I ask not for prayers, piety, or tribute, says Thor. I seek only to help when needed, for mortal man must chart his course as he sees fit. You say the right things. Enough to earn a portion of my trust, for now. I'll be watching, says Desac. And he looks like he uh, is getting ready to uh, to leave, and he's kind of glowing all yellow and, and teleporting away. If you falter, our differences will be settled on the field of battle. Until then, there are others who must be removed first. To so determine the fate of others, Desac, hast thou not become that which thou hates most? And he disappears, and when that happens, Beta Ray and Hercules come out of the shadows, uh, kind of charging forward, and Hercules is like, The sack! Is he? Gone, says Thor. No longer an immediate danger to Olympus, my friend. But methinks we have won not a victory, but merely a reprieve. We shall meet the sack again, and on that day there must come a reckoning. The end. And that is the Thor Annual for 2001. We will be talking about this issue right after this message. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Ant-Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto. So both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? 
What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we are back. And of course, we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. First of all, this is obviously a story we've seen before. I mean, Desac, how is he different from any number of other god killer characters that we've seen? We've seen at least three now, including Gore the God Butcher, etc. You know, it, it just seems to be a very familiar well that they have to go back every few years and revisit. Now, I think the difference with this story is that uh, you know, we've got Dan Jurgens writing in it, and it is a very well-put-together story. I mean, the motivations of DeSac are, are very much like Gore the God Butcher. Um, you know, he's had uh, you know, the gods betrayed his people, blah, blah, blah. He himself was like, you know, uh, affected by this personally, and now he's kind of sworn vengeance on all, all the gods, and he wants to go around killing them. I was actually surprised by the similarities between what Dan Jurgens did here and what much later, of course, Jason Aaron did in Thor, God of Thunder with Gore. Um, it's, it's very obvious that Jason Aaron basically just took the whole concept hook, line, and sinker, didn't even bother to change it that much. I mean, we've seen this type of character before, but Jason Aaron just seems even more derivative after seeing this. I know the two characters are, are not the same. I think, actually, Desac is a little bit less annoying than Gore. But it's still remarkable in its similarity. This is obviously, like I said, a well that people are going to come back to again and again over the course of, of decades. But the, I think this is kind of a step up above other portrayals of, of this kind of a character. We have a, a pretty good story here, holds together pretty well. We actually have some evidence that, hey, maybe Desac has a point. We have these evil gods who are doing evil things to their followers just because they're just kind of petty and very much like the, uh, the, the Old Testament uh, Bible God where we, we have just kind of killing people for no really good reason other than their, their little fifis are hurt. And, and that's the kind of thing we see in mythology you know, fairly often. And uh, Desac is just kind of coming up and, and just destroying everything. Um, we've got this beautiful art. You know, Tom Grummet, of course, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Tom Grummet, and I know I've said this on the show before. He did one of the other Thor annuals we covered. I think it was the 2000 Thor annual. And we've, so we've seen his work uh, before. I liked his work at DC on Superboy and, and some other stuff. Um, you know, he's one of these artists. I think he's a good visual storyteller. In these stories, uh, he's very much taking a clue from Kirby. Um, not so much in, in the way he's laying things out, but in some of the designs, he's kind of going the, the Kirby-ish route for some of his design uh, aesthetic. And in some ways, not so much. In, in some ways, he's kind of got his own thing going on. But I would say that uh, you can definitely see a John Byrne influence here, particularly in the design of Desac. 
like I said, it reminds me very much of Terax the Tamer and uh, the in kind of the the general design, and also in even in some of the more specifics of the sort of uh, crusty uh, crusty skin and and that kind of thing. It reminds me a lot of Terax, even if the character is not really exactly the same. Definitely, though, you get echoes of of even the thing. Uh, even though the thing is orange and he's got a, a more rocky texture, this guy is just sort of this earthy, crumbly sort of thing going on. And uh, it, it's a kind of familiar look, I guess, or for Marvel characters and, and to a certain level to DC characters as well, particularly Darkseid, who this character reminds me of a lot visually. So, uh, yeah, uh, generally speaking, I think that uh, Grummet is a really good storyteller, uh, he's he's very good at uh, composition. He's he's you know does action really well. Um, he's again he's got a very Kirby-ish sort of aesthetic to his work, and you know that's never a bad thing when it, when it's done well. And I would say here it's done pretty well. And as kind of a as a rule, I think this is a really good issue. Um, you know, stories told pretty well. The artwork is really good. Um, it doesn't fit in neatly into the the Thor continuity. Uh, we had this sort of um, place where we could put it in Thor continuity, where we have Beta Ray Bill coming in uh, about, like I said, about three months ago in the Thor issue where, where we're introduced to Jake Olson's mom. And I think that's probably where we should slot this in. And probably I should have covered this in uh, back then, but I just didn't realize it was sitting here. So here it is. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right, so I don't really have a lot much else to say about it. I mean, I can point out some you know really nice images and you know really good storytelling here. But you know, if you're really interested, you can go and find the uh, you know Thor 2001 annual yourself. It's probably not really expensive. Um, go out, find it, and then have a look at it for yourself. All right, and with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Uh, thanks very much, folks, for listening. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to email us, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. And you can also find us over on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, type Radio Free Asgard into the search engine, and click on it, and it will find the group, and you can request to join the group, and I will add you to the group, and you can join in the conversation with me and everybody else. And with that, I'm getting ready to head back over the Rainbow Bridge back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>